Good day, Grace Nation. I hope you had a blessed week. In those past few weeks, we've been focusing on the theme, Bold as a Lion, which has taken from Proverbs 28, verse 1, which reads, The wicked flee, though no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. We've had topics from being bold with power, to being bold in your asking, and last week to being bold with your imagination. Ladies and gentlemen, in anything that you do, you need to be bold and be bold and knowing that God wants you to have it. Acts 8 reads, And on that day, a great and reckless persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and the believers were scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except for the apostles. Some devout men buried Stephen and mourned greatly over him, expressing a personal sense of loss. But Saul began ravaging the church and assaulting believers, entering house after house and dragging out men and women, putting them in prison. So there was this person back in the day, and his name was Saul. This is after Jesus had left. He hated Christians, and he wanted to do everything to capture them. He would always get authority to be allowed to arrest them, and he made sure that every day he would constantly be searching and constantly trying to be getting Christians. And Saul was a Jew, and he believed that those who were preaching the gospel of Jesus were wrong. And Saul loved God so much that he wanted to stop any false spreading of his word, and he was constantly going after Christians. Jump to Acts 9, 13-14. Lord Aeneas answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all those who come your name. So Saul was feared amongst towns, amongst the area, and everywhere that he went, people knew what he was doing. Jump earlier on, Saul gets authority in a few verses to go out and arrest other Christians. And he has been given the authority to do that. So Saul is feared amongst the Christian himself. Saul is feared amongst the disciples. Acts 9 verse 1 reads, Now Saul still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord and rentless in search for the believers went to the high priest and asked for letters of authority from him to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any man or woman they belong to the way believers followers of Christ the Messiah, men and women alike, he could arrest them and bring them bound with chains to Jerusalem. As he traveled, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him, displaying the glory and majesty of Christ. And he fell to the ground and heard a voice from heaven saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting and oppressing me? And Saul said, Who are you, Lord? And he answered, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what to do. The men who were traveling with him were terrified and stood speechless, hearing the voice but seeing no one. Saul got up from the ground, but though his eyes were open, he could not see nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him to Damascus. So Saul is on the way to Damascus, and he's literally ready to go persecute people and draw them out of their houses for preaching the false word. And God approaches him and says, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And eventually Ananias comes to Saul and Ananias heals Saul. And Ananias and Saul spend time for a couple of days. Saul gets to learn the word and hear more about God. A few days later, Saul's already starting to preach in the area where he was coming to prosecute Christians. And eventually God changes Saul's name to Paul. Jump to 2 Corinthians 7.2. The Bible reads, Open your hearts to us. 
We have wronged no one. We have corrupted no one. We have cheated no one. The CEV version says, make a place for us in your hearts. We haven't mistreated or hurt anyone. We haven't cheated anyone. Hold up. Remember, this is the same Paul that a couple of verses down, a couple of books down in Acts, was literally going out, beating and dragging God's children out of their houses, women and kids and fathers and everyone. He was dragging them and beating them. He didn't care. And he was mistreating them. And yet, in 2 Corinthians 7, he's saying, I have wronged no one. Now, this is a bold statement. This is a bold statement from a person who used to do all of this. Even Jesus, when he approached Paul, Jesus said, why are you persecuting me? So even Jesus knew that Saul was going after his people. But one thing Saul understood in 2 Corinthians 7 too is that God has forgiven for all he has done. So therefore, God remembers it not. And that's one thing God has been showing me about this past week. We need to understand what forgiveness is. We need to get to that point in life where we can say boldly, I have wronged no one. We need to get to that point. Get to the point where bold in our forgiveness. And the message for today is set free. And that's because once you are bold in forgiveness, you are set free from everything. You are set free from bondage. And that's what God wants us to learn. God wants us to get to the point where we walk from prosecution to being saying, I have wronged no one. And that's the point we need to get when we are learn to forgive and we need to learn to stand in that forgiveness. And today we'll be focusing on a few things. We'll first look at what is forgiveness. Then we'll be breaking down forgiveness. Then we'll break down the consequences of unforgiveness, misconceptions of forgiveness, and find how to forgive. The first thing we said we're going to look at is we're going to look at what is forgiveness. I found a nice description of forgiveness, and it says, psychologists generally define forgiveness as a conscious, deliberate decision to release feelings of resentment or vengeance towards a person or group who has harmed you regardless of whether they actually deserve their forgiveness. The definition speaks of forgiveness being a choice, forgiveness being a decision, a conscious and deliberate decision. But this means that we have the right to decide to forgive. Forgiveness is based on us. It's not based on other outcomes. Forgiveness comes from us making the decision to forgive. It also talks about releasing feelings. As I was reading the part of releasing feelings, I got the mental image of a weightlifter, heavy weightlifter. As he's lifting the weight, as he's picking up a heavy load, the strain on his face, you can tell that he's struggling and he's going through so much energy trying to exert something. And when he gets to the position where the weight is now above his head and he waits there, and the moment the judge says the weight has been approved, he literally just lets go. And the moment the bodybuilder lets go, all of a sudden, his face is relaxed and everything. And that's the type of release that you're talking about, releasing everything, just letting go. Unforgiveness is like taking poison and expecting someone else to get harmed. Let me repeat that. Unforgiveness is like me drinking poison and expecting someone else to get harmed. That's not how it works. If you drink that poison, you will get harmed. There's a soccer player who in the early 2000s, moved to Barcelona and he played for a club there for many years and he was an amazing player. He grew and was, became one of the best, not the best, one of the best. And over time, he loved the club and everyone fell in love with him. Come the 2020-2021 season, his contract comes to the end and end of July, 
this year. And everyone was hoping he would get back to the club. Everyone wanted him back to the club. Everyone thought he'd renew the contract. He even got to the point where negotiating with the club because they couldn't afford him. He decided, hey, I can give an option of halving my salary. And they agreed on everything. And when it came time to the rules and regulations, the governing body of that country did not allow it because the club could not afford it. And everyone got angry. And within five days later, he had signed a new contract at a different place. And had moved on, even though he loved the place. He had moved on. And fans were angry at both the club and at the regulating body. People were angry at some of the people who were still at the club saying, why don't you guys have the salary to keep this person in our team? And as much as everyone and fans might still be angry, when that person starts playing for the new team, he has moved on. He doesn't care if a person like me holds a grudge on him or holds unforgiveness from him for leaving the club. It will not affect how he plays. And that's what unforgiveness does. Unforgiveness means that when a person harms you, they might forget about what they've done. They might not even remember what they've done. Because they might have done it either on purpose or by mistake and not be aware. In some instances, they might not even know aware what they've done to you. And you're the one who keeps carrying this heavy burden. You're the one who keeps carrying this unforgiveness. And as I said earlier on, unforgiveness is like drinking poison, which means I'm drinking that poison. And that person has long moved on. And that is harming me more than it's harming that person. And that's one thing we're going to be focused on, what forgiveness is, because it's a choice. It's a choice of to release something, just release yourself from that burden. Another understanding of forgiveness is we'll break down forgiveness. God gave me this example of forgiveness, and I was telling my future CA wife that, you know, I'm going to use an accounting term for it. And she was like, oh, be careful. You know, accounting is not that easy. I'm like, don't worry, I got this. I know my accounting, you know. From the basics I've known in high school and first university, the one thing that our teachers said, the foundation of most of accounting is based on a simple principle. Assets equals owner's equity plus liability. Which goes back to maths, which says the left-hand side should be equal to the right-hand side. And that's the same with accounting. It's based on the double-entry principle. And God was saying to me, in the same manner, we can take forgiveness in that regard, that these assets equals owner's equity and liability. And as we break down what forgiveness is, we'll look at each aspect and categorize every field that what is an asset, what's an owner's equity, and what's a liability. And once you understand that in accounting, once you understand the double-entry principle, you basically know the foundation of accounting. If you ever get stuck in accounting, go back to that foundation and see, are you following those rules? And you'll be halfway through there. The first part that we're going to look at the assets and we're going to look at what an asset is in forgiveness and that's the forgiveness that God has given us. The forgiveness that God has said, take it, it is yours. Hebrews 1.3 reads, The sun radiates God's glory and expresses the very character of God and he sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. When he had cleansed us from our sins, he sat down in the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. Our sins were forgiven many years ago after Jesus had died on the cross and risen. And when he rose, he went to sit on the right hand of the Father, which means that our sins were forgiven many years ago. Which means forgiveness was there before you were even born. All that you've done, all your past sins and all your future sins have already been forgiven many, many years ago. Ephesians 1, 7 confirms this and reads, He is so rich in kindness and grace that He purchased our freedom with the blood of His Son and forgave our sins. And this just shows that our sins were forgiven a long time ago when Jesus purchased our sins and forgave us back then. 
So our sins are already forgiven. 1 John 1.9 reads, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us. 1 John 1.9 says, We need to confess our sins and He will forgive us and purify us. The Lord forgave us of our sins many years ago. But let's take an example. Let's say you want to buy a car. You go to a car dealership. You can look at all the cars. But until you make that decision to actually buy the car, you will not own the car. In the same way, imagine that all your sins and all the forgiveness is on Jesus' feet. And you come to God and say, God, I want to give you my sins. I want forgiveness. And you're putting them down at His feet. And in return, you're picking up that forgiveness. So you need to actually confess your sins and give them and say, God, I've done this wrong. And therefore, you'll get the forgiveness that is already due to you. Proverbs 28.13 reads, Whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, but one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy, which confirms that you actually need to come and give God and tell God, God, I've done this. I confess my sins. And God will forgive us and be merciful. And that's the essence. The second part we're going to look at is the liabilities. The liabilities in terms of forgiveness is us forgiving people for things that they've done to us. One definition of liability as defined by the Cambridge University is something or someone that causes a lot of trouble often when that thing or person should be helping you. In Matthew 6, when Jesus was teaching us how to pray, from verse 9 it reads, This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one. Verse 12 is a perfect example of a double entry system. It says, forgive us our debts as we've forgiven our debtors. Which means that as God has forgiven us, we should also forgive them the same way. Verse 14 and 15 reads, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. God gave us forgiveness as a free gift, but for us to receive it, we need to forgive others. Ephesians 4.32 reads, Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. And this just goes to confirm that we constantly need to be forgiving others just as we have been forgiven. In Matthew 18, Jesus tells a parable. And the parable is of a servant who owes his master money. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. But when he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had, and that payment be made. The servant therefore bowed down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me, I will pay you all. Then the master of the servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him his debt. But the servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 denarii and he laid hands on him and took him by the throat saying pay me what you owe me so his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him saying have patience with me i'll pay you all and he would not but went and threw him into prison till he could pay the debt so when his fellow servants saw what had been done they were grieved and came and told the master all that had been done then his master after he had called him said to him you wicked servant i forgave you all the debt because you begged me, should you have not had compassion with your fellow servants, just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he could pay all that was due to him. So my heavenly father also will do to you if each of you from your heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. Matthew 20, there is a parable of workers working in the vineyard. 
And then the master gives each person one denarii. We can use that example and saying one denarii is the acceptable working wage for a person. Now, if you go back to the parable in Matthew 18 that we just read, and you look at what each person owed, the servant who was forgiven and found another servant who owed him 100 denarii, we can see that that's about 100 days' wage. That means that the servant could have literally paid him back within four months, and yet the servant did not forgive him. Now, if you go back and look at the values of denarii towards talents, 6,000 denaries is equal to one talent which means that the servant needed to work at least 6,000 days just to pay his master of one talent. And he had to pay 1,000 talents, which means that he had to work 60 million days or 2,000 years. And that's taken approximately that he's working 300 days a year. So there was no way that this first servant could literally pay back his master using that same field. And yet the other servant could easily have paid it back. And that's what Jesus is trying to say, that the reason for keeping others is because of all the things that God has forgiven us for. Sometimes we think what we're forgiving others for is a lot. But what God has forgiven us is much greater than what we need to forgive the other person for. And that's why we need to have mercy. And that's because if we do not forgive, it becomes unbalanced. Because God has forgiven us a lot on this side and we have not forgiven. So there is an unbalance in life. And that will tip the scale and make us lose everything. Just like how the servants had failed to forgive the person who owed him 100 days wages, he lost the forgiveness he had received for the thousand talents. And that's what we need to be careful in life, that we lose forgiveness because of the small things we're failing to forgive others for. Mark 11.25 reads, And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. Matthew 5.23-24 reads, So if you are presenting a sacrifice to the altar in the temple, and suddenly remember that someone has something against you. Leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled with that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice. And the same we need to forgive others. If we have wronged other people, before we come and give anything to God, we need to go and ask that person for forgiveness. Unforgiveness blocks forgiveness. Third part in the double entry principle is the owner's equity. In terms of forgiveness, We've already covered assets, which is God's forgiveness that God has blessed us with. We've already covered liabilities, which is people we need to forgive and need to ask forgiveness from. The third one and final one is owner's equity. And this is sometimes the hardest one. It is easy to understand that God loves us and God wants to forgive us. And it's easy to understand that we need to forgive other people. But sometimes the hardest one is forgiving ourselves. And that's what the owner's equity is. It's forgive, learning to forgive ourselves for all the past mistakes. Learning to forgive ourselves for everything that we regret in life. Hebrews 8 verse 12 reads, And I'll forgive their wickedness, and I'll never again remember their sins. Psalms 103 12 reads, He has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. Isaiah 43.25 reads, I only, I, am he who wipes out transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. And these verses just show that once we've asked God for forgiveness, God first of all separates the sins from us as far as the east is from the west. And after that, he does us a favor and he forgets our sins. And so the only person who can actually remind us of our sins, our past mistakes, is not God. Once you've confessed them, but it is the devil and ourselves. And that's one thing we need to understand, that God has really forgiven us of sins, so we don't need to beat ourselves up. There was a story that I heard on the radio a couple of weeks ago, and it was a story of a person who was caught in a compromising position. Now, I'm not saying that what he did was right. I'm not approving of it. 
But on the radio, they're discussing it, and they're saying that this person was put in a position, and what happened is whilst he was in the position, forces were taken. And after the forces were taken, they were published, and his PR team quickly decided, hey, let's buy the copyrights of those photos. And they bought those copyrights. And so now even when he goes to interviews and they ask him all about the pictures, he, he has the right to say, but what pictures? Because he owns those pictures. And therefore, no one can publish those pictures without his permission anymore. And as much as what he did was wrong, as God was saying, when you do come and confess your sins towards me, I forgive them and, I, and therefore I remember them not. So therefore, the only person who can actually recall them again is you. So even if the devil tries to make you say, hey, I saw those pictures, I remember what you did last week. You have the right to either say, but what did I do last week? Because God has paid the price for those sins. God has forgiven me for them. And that's one thing we need to remember, that God has forgiven us. And that's one thing Paul understood, that everything that he did with those Christians, everything that was persecuting, even when Jesus was like, you're persecuting me, he understood that afterwards, when he asked and confessed and he got saved, Jesus forgave him of those sins. And therefore, he could suppose say, we have wronged no man, because he understood that God has forgiven him. Forgiveness is learning to forgive ourselves from our past mistakes. Learning to forgive ourselves for things that we did in the past. The next thing we're going to look at is the consequences of unforgiveness. And there are few consequences of unforgiveness. The first one we've already spoken about earlier, which is how can we expect forgiveness if we don't believe in forgiveness? 1 John 4, 20-21 reads, If someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we do not love people, we can see... How can we love God whom we cannot see? And he has given us this command. Those who love God must also love their fellow believers. Forgiveness is us showing love not only to God, but to others. And the Bible says that if we say we love God, but cannot show our fellow brothers love, we cannot say that we love God. And the same thing with forgiveness. If you cannot forgive someone, how can you say you believe in forgiveness? And how can you say you believe that God has forgiven you if you fail to forgive others? The second consequence is found in Psalm 32, verses 1 to 5, which reads, Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them, and whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day. For day and night... Your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my inequity. I said, I'll confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the guilt of my sin. Unforgiveness is unhealthy because if you harbor unforgiveness, your body takes the pain. Your bones become heavy. You become unhealthy. You lose vitality. And that just shows that if I'm not forgiving someone, that person can walk away and not care. And they'll be fine. But my health is what gets damaged. So unforgiveness is unhealthy for us. 2 Corinthians 2, 10-11 reads, When you forgive this man, I forgive him too. And when I forgive whatever needs to be forgiven, I do so with Christ's authority for your benefit, so that Satan will not outsmart us, for we are familiar with his evil schemes. The Amplified Version reads, if you forgive anyone anything, I too forgive that one. And what I have forgiven, if I have forgiven anything, has been for your sake in the presence of and with the approval of Christ to keep Satan from taking advantage from us. For we are not ignorant of his schemes. 
If we harbor unforgiveness, it allows the devil to us mouth. It allows the devil to play in our lives. It allows us to become slaves to the devil. And this is unhealthy for us because at the end of the day, God wants us to receive that forgiveness. God wants us to not be slaves to sin. And that's why we need to actually learn to forgive so that the devil does not outsmart us. The fourth consequence is found in Mark 11, 25 to 26, which reads, And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive them, that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. Psalm 66, 18 reads, If I regard inequity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. John 9, 31 says that we know that God does not listen to sinners, but he is ready to hear those who worship him and do his will. If I'm in sin and hold in equity, hold anything against someone, then God will not hear me. And that just shows that the consequence of unforgiveness has nothing to do with the other person. The other person might be a Christian and he might be praying to God, but because he's forgiven you and forgiven everything and has forgotten about that, his prayers might be answered. And yours might not because you're harboring unforgiveness. So unforgiveness has more consequences on you than that person. And those are the consequences of unforgiveness. Unforgiveness does more harm to us than it does to other people. And therefore, we need to learn to forgive. There are a few misconceptions about forgiveness. And that's why it becomes difficult for us to forgive. The first one is once I forgive someone is that I have to forget what they have done. Matthew 18, 21 to 22 reads, Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. The fact that we need to forgive someone 70 times seven in a day, it just shows that there's multiple times we need to forgive them. It shows that you might remember forgiving him the first time, you might remember forgiving him the second time, you might remember forgiving him the third time. You constantly need to forgive that person. And it becomes difficult, but you need to do it. Let me give you an example. If someone stabs me, and yes, I forgive them, and yes, the wound is healing, and yes, the scar might heal, but each time I see that scar, I'll remember that moment. It sometimes becomes very difficult to forget, and that's what people confuse. To forgive someone does not mean I forget what they've done to me. It just means I've decided to forgive them, and therefore I'm releasing any burden, any hatred I have amongst them. The second misconception is that forgiveness means that you no longer feel the pain. When Jesus was on the cross, Luke 23, 34 reads, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. After Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. The soldiers not taken down from the cross. The pain of the cross did not stop. The pain was still there. And that's the misconception. When we forgive someone, the pain might still be there. But it's us trusting God and God, I want to forgive this person. Please heal the pain. Please let the pain be less. And starting that process with God. And that's the misconception we have that once we say, I forgive someone, the pain disappears. Forgiveness does not mean the pain will disappear. Forgiveness just means that you don't hold any grudge. Just when Jesus was on the cross, his pain did not stop but it just meant that he bears nothing. He releases them from everything and does not hold anything against them. So the pain did not stop, but he held nothing against them. For he understood why they were doing it. And we don't need to understand why people are doing it, but we just need to release them. The final misconception is that forgiveness is a one-time event, that I need to forgive someone once and then it's over and done with. 
this is not the case. Forgiveness takes time. Forgiveness is a process. Forgiveness is something you have to do either on an hourly or a daily or a weekly basis. And that's because over time, you just need to constantly forgive that person for things they've done to you. Now that we're focused on the misconceptions of forgiveness, how do we start the process of forgiveness? And as I said, forgiveness is a process. And it's about us starting and making that way to forgiveness. The first step to forgiveness is we need to decide to forgive. We need to take a moment and say, God, from this day, I want to forgive this person. And you need to decide in your life that I'm taking a decision to forgive. The second step to the process of forgiveness is giving God your hurts. God wants to be part of our life. God wants us to throw our burdens to Him. And what we're saying is, God, this person hurt me. Help me. Give God everything. Confess your hurts. Confess everything that you desire to God and allow God to handle it. It's pointless me coming to God and asking for forgiveness and dropping my confession since then. And then after I left, I'm like, oh yeah, I know. Let me take that sin back and keep going. Because God has forgiven you and that's what you need to do. You need to give God your hurts. And each time remember that pain that the person caused, come again and drop it there. And say, God, I know this person does this. Please, I'm trying to forgive them. The third step to the process of forgiveness is ask God for help. Enlist in God's help. Ask Him to assist you in forgiving that person. Jeremiah 33.3 reads, Call to me and I'll answer you and tell you and even show you great and mighty things, things which have been confided and hidden, which you do not know and understand and cannot distinguish. So if we come to God and we ask God for help, God will show us things. God will help us heal. Because the Bible says, asking shall receive. So if you come to God asking for help to forgive someone, He will help you. He will take you throughout that whole process. And that process will take time. That process might be instant. That process might take time. But just keep asking and believing that God's helping you. The fourth step is to read scripture about forgiveness. There's many scriptures in the Bible that speak about forgiveness. We've touched on quite a few of them, what the harm of unforgiveness is, how to forgive, and those are the scriptures you need to constantly read upon. Find stories of where people in the Bible have forgiven others and constantly read those scriptures and learn to build a foundation for your forgiveness. And therefore, learn and read and meditate on scriptures about forgiveness. Step five, is write down what God has forgiven you for. Not to say that you keep bringing up and bring up, oh, no, I did this, I did this, but it will help you get to the point that when you need to forgive someone for one denry, you remember all the thousand talents that God has forgiven you. Therefore, you always remember that God, you forgive me for this, you forgive me for this, you forgive me for this. And therefore, it will help you remember that all the things that God has forgiven you for, and it will help make it easier for you to forgive others. The final step is to pray for those who hurt you. And this is very difficult because we don't understand why we need to pray. And it becomes difficult to pray for someone who's hurt me. And the reason we pray is, and the Bible does tell us we need to pray for our enemies. And most of the time, when someone hurts us, they become our enemy and we need to pray for them. And we need to pray for God to change their hearts. We need to pray for God to work in their lives. And the more we pray and the more we pray, the more God sees our hearts and the more God will bless us and God will help us to forgive that person. If today, as we've been talking the past few minutes, God has said, you need to forgive someone or you need to forgive yourself or you need to show forgiveness. If that is you and you want to forgive someone and you want to start that process, you want to start the journey, may you bow your head and may we pray.
Thank you, Lord, that you're Alpha Omega, Lord. Thank you, that great I am, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you've called us to forgive, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for you, that you've forgiven us our sins, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you've called us to forgive, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you're Alpha and Omega, Lord. We thank you for all that you're doing in our lives, Lord. We like to pray, Lord, that we'd like to begin a journey of forgiveness, Lord. We'd like to begin a journey of whatever we need to forgive. It may be either ourselves, Lord. It may either be someone else, or may we be able to give us the strength to go ask that person for forgiveness, Lord. We'd like to thank you, Lord, that we begin this journey, Lord, that we want to start to learn how to forgive, Lord. We'd like to trust in you, Lord, that as we forgive, Lord, we understand that it will be a process. We understand it might take time, Lord, but we're ready to begin this journey with you, Lord. We are ready to trust in you, Lord. I would like to thank that you may guide us throughout this journey lord in jesus name we pray amen if that was you today and you want to start that journey you want guidance and want assistance to start that journey please text the number below and we'll get in contact we'll assist you we'll find people to assist you on that journey to forgiveness people will be able to help you and direct you towards forgiveness if you are ready to start that journey and if you want God and want to receive the forgiveness of God and you want to become a child of God and release everything that has done to you and you want to become a child of God and you're ready to make that step and you have not accepted Jesus as the Lord and Savior and you're ready to say, God, I want to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior so that I can accept and walk in that forgiveness so I can get to that moment so I can boldly say, I have wronged no man just like Paul did and you're ready to begin that journey. May please bow our prayer. Thank you, Lord, for all that you've done, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that I know with my heart Heart, and I confess with my mouth that, Lord, you came down in human form and died on the cross for my sins, and that you rose again three days later, and that my sins are forgiven, Lord. And I thank you for that, Lord. And I trust you, and I believe in my heart that you have done that, Lord. And I want to become a child of God. I want to turn away from sin, and I want to learn how to forgive people. I'm coming, Lord, to drop everything, my hurts, my burdens to you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. I'm becoming an heir. In your kingdom, Lord, in Jesus' name I pray, amen. If that was you, please also take the number below. And we'll assist you to walk that walk. We'll assist you to grow in Christ. We'll find people in your area where they can communicate and they can guide you. If that was you, please take the number below. And the angels are rejoicing because you have made the best decision in your life. Because you have become an heir to the throne. Because we are ready to take the next few steps. Please text the number. We would love to get to know you. In Jesus' name, amen.